We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right. Welcome in to the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Plank. Two simple words. Let's go. It is here. This is our final edition of the tailgate that won't be getting you ready for a game day. Sands, of course, the, the, the bye week. But you get what I'm saying. Football is back, and we have tons for you on the show today. Coming up a little bit later on, uh, the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland, sat down with Ted Lehman, and they talked about defense. And, and we're Teddy, who seems to know a thing or two about defense, really wanted to see this group improve. We'll bring you that coming up to kick off the Sooner Sports Podcast. Plus, if you've been on social media at all this week, you've seen the videos of the new North board. This has been a, uh, I guess you can say, kind of a, a goal of the last couple of years is to continue to upgrade what's in the North end zone to match what you have in the South end zone. And oh, do they go above and beyond this year? So Brandon Meyer from Sooner Vision, he's the man, will give us a little bit of information, get you ready for when you're sitting in your seats. And George Stoya broke the internet this week. Our man with the OU Daily, he's been on the podcast with us before. Incredibly talented young journalist. Did some Big J things this past weekend. Dropped an article on, I, I guess we could probably say, one of the most talked about true freshmen for the Oklahoma Sooners in, in quite a while. And if you haven't had a chance to see the piece yet on Buki from the OU Daily, I mean, I, it's it's one of the best articles I've ever read on Brendan Radley Hile. So I asked George to come back on so we could talk it up. We'll do that in our final segment. But 
As we kick off the tailgate, as we get ready for football, we had big news this weekend as Lincoln Riley named Kyler Murray his starting quarterback. It was pretty, you know, pretty simple, honestly. I don't know that there's some elaborate breakdown, you know, that we have. I just think he, as we looked at the whole body of work, thought that he was just slightly ahead of Austin. And uh, so it was a, a very close one. Uh, like I told you guys the other day, it was very close. Stayed that way, one of the closest that I've been involved with. They both did a tremendous job. End of the day, you know, only one can do it. And uh, we'll need them both to be successful this year, we know. And uh, so, but Kyler's going to be the guy right now. And for Kyler, as you might imagine, it's a, it's a dream come true. Obviously, it's a, it's a huge honor for me. Um, you know, something, you know, I've dreamed of. Uh, I've been working hard since ever since I got here. You know, it's the moment, you know, since I've started playing, I've been working for this. So uh, for me to, you know, be named starting quarterback is obviously a huge honor. And, uh, you know, I know the standard, you know, at the, of the position at this uh, university. So it's my job to uphold it. Both Lincoln and Kyler met with the media when this announcement was made on Wednesday after practice. I thought instead of kind of chopping it up and going uh, interview question by interview question, I would just play the whole the whole press briefing from both guys. It's about 10 minutes from Lincoln. It's about uh, 10 minutes from Kyler. So what we'll do is at the end of the show today, I'll tack on both of those interviews. Kind of what we do during the regular season, what you'll hear Tuesday whenever we have the, the game plan with Toby Rowland and myself, where we leave you with the Lincoln Riley presser, which we'll continue to do in 2018. Some of you all really seem to dig that. We'll leave you today with the full press conference from Lincoln Riley and Kyler Murray on Wednesday. Now, as we record that, I just uh, as we record tonight, I just got back from the Learfield sponsor kickoff celebration. And... Lincoln Riley spoke, by the way, Barry Switzer, Billy Tubbs, and Joe Washington were great. Coach Patty Gasso was great. But Lincoln Riley came rolling in after practice, and you could really sense this confidence in everything this team has done. Not as if it's it's ever not been there, but this team, you can really sense through its head coach that they feel good about where they are heading into the season. Yes, there's been some nicks and bruises. It was reported about Buki, the aforementioned Brendan Bradley Hiles missing scrimmage last weekend, and how Mike Stoops said in a post practice avail, hey, we could, you could really tell when he wasn't out there. But he, he's back and healthy. I know they've had a couple of injuries in the secondary with names like Chance Sylvie being out, and Starlin Baldwin's going to miss the season. But you kind of get the sense, at least defensively, things are coming together. And I mentioned Lincoln speaking at this at the Learfield event we were at tonight, Sooner Sports Properties, because he specifically talked about the improvement on the defensive line. And I think that's where the excitement for this kind of new energy defensively should start with some of the depth that it appears they have been able to develop over the last few years with quality guys that they've recruited on the defensive line. Now, do they take the next step right away? Maybe. There'll be some growing pains. There'll be some learning along the way. But Coach Riley definitely excited about the defensive line. Now, how excited is a former Sooner about the defensive line? We caught up with our radio analyst, with our partner on the sidelines. You'll see Teddy Lehman on Sooner Sports TV with Gabe Eichert. Tons, extensively throughout the season. And uh, he and Toby sat down earlier this week, and they started before they got into that D-line and those linebackers talking about a really cool moment earlier this week 
when Teddy and a couple of other superstars were invited to talk to the Sooner defense on Owen Field at Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. Yeah, Friday, uh, Roy Williams, Tommy Harris, and I went up there and, and talked with the defense down on the field uh, under the lights. It was pretty cool. It was a little atmosphere. Had a, had a little dialogue there with the, the defense, the back and forth, kind of asking them what they want to accomplish, what their goals want to be, and and kind of you know told them for us what what it was like on our team and, and how you know whatever we set those goals, what we did to go accomplish them. So it was pretty cool. What has to be obvious? We were running over the numbers last uh, last hour. We owe you at number four on the countdown. And uh, I think in the 60s in scoring defense and total defense last year in the 80s in pass defense, obviously that's got to be better. It's got to be significantly better if they're going to win a national championship. But specifically, you got a better eye than we do. When you look defensively, what do they specifically have to be better at this year? Well, the number one thing they've got to do better is tackle. And, and that's not a surprise to anyone. Um, We've seen that. you got to be better at tackling. We've got way too many plays that are, you know, should be short gains, small gains, maybe even first downs that turn into big, explosive plays, even touchdowns. You know, you just look back to a couple of them, the, the Iowa State game when they're going to have just a little bubble screen that goes around the outside. That's The guy goes untouched on a bubble screen for like a 60-yard touchdown. I mean, that just can't happen. You know, the, the play in the in the Rose Bowl where I think it maybe was Chubb comes through the middle, makes one cut, and he's right in the middle of our defense surrounded by five or six guys, and he just makes one cut. Everyone's kind of standing there, and he's off to the races to the end zone for a touchdown. Those plays should be no gain, right? It should be like tackle for no gain, maybe one or two yards. we got to get better at tackling as a team. Uh, effort to the football, angles to the football. I mean, if you can't tackle and you can't play with great effort, you're never going to be a great defense. Do you have hope it's better this year? And if so, why? Yeah, I do have hope it's better this year. I think across the board we're as athletic as we've been in a while. Um, now the question is, are all these guys going to be able to grasp the concepts have, in camp? Have they been able to come along and, and understand all the different things that they're supposed to do? Because there's a lot that comes with it. But athletically, I mean, we've got that in spades. You know, inside backer moving Caleb Kelly to inside backer. You got him and Kenneth Murray, that's as athletic and big and physical as we've been an inside backer in a long time. The D-line, Neville Gallimore, Monty Bledsoe, those guys have had a really good camp. Uh, they're in a great spot. I mean, there's there's a high-effort group that's got the potential for some big production this year. And in the secondary, you know, the one thing we, we're going to be able to do is we're going to be able to cover. We, You know, we've got several corners. We go deep at corner. Uh, Buki at the nickel spot. And we've even moved corners back to safety. So we should be able to cover in the secondary. Now, the, the question I have is the safety spot. You know, that's – that's the the cap of your defense. Those guys have to be really good. They've got to be really sound. They've got to understand what everyone else on the defense is doing. They've got to be great tacklers in space. So safety is the concern for me. And I know he's, he's, he's a true freshman, and everyone's talking how great he is. 
but Buki at nickel is not a concern, but I'm I'm interested to see how well he tackles. And he's a smaller guy. You know, teams don't just you know, they're gonna they're gonna find your weakness and try and exploit that. So they're gonna try and find a way to insert him into the run game and make him be a tackler on the edge. And and how how well at a small size is he going to be able to play the run? Let's talk about him for just a second. This is the last question. I'll let you go. Maybe one more. Um, if OU is going to play predominantly nickel this year, uh, the assumption is it's to get Buki on the field as much as possible. How much of the what percentage of the time do you think they can legitimately play nickel? And how often do you think teams will go into sets to try to? To either take him off the field or exploit him. It's hard to predict. If, I mean, if there's something I, to exploit there, I don't know. I just he's five foot right. nine, so I don't know. It's it's hard to predict. I mean, how much we're in nickel is 100 percent predicated by the offense, right? So if if they come out in big personnel, we've got to match that and go at base and and have three linebackers out there plus a jack backer and be in our big personnel to match it. So. Um, if he's really good and he can really like dictate the terms of the game from the nickel spot, well, maybe teams are more likely to go big to keep him out of there. And, and I don't know, maybe we'll put him back at free safety whenever we're in base to keep him on the field uh, where he's always out there. So I, I don't know. Mike says they want to play more nickel, uh, which means, you know, they maybe they're going to play nickel to some of those bigger sets. So. I would say we already play nickel like 80% of the time. I mean, there's not a whole lot of teams. Kansas State came out in some big people. Oklahoma State came out in some big people. I mean, a, a lot of teams don't even do it. Texas Tech doesn't even do it. Um, you know, Baylor has a, has at times come out in some big people. So it's just it's dependent on the offense because we match their personnel. You know, we, we can't just throw nickel out there and say well, we're going to play this to anything. Uh, because if they start running a bunch of big bodies out there, we got to match it. So, I mean, I, I just don't know. That's something that we're going to have to see as the season develops and, and how we defend some of those different sets, what, what kind of starts to trend. Ted's the best. Always love getting his perspective. Uh, I, I really think, and I'm, not, and I'm saying this knowing there's no way he's listening right now, but I really think that we have the best analyst in the business in the way that – Teddy is able to truly diagram the X and O's for you on the radio and do it in a way that helps you better understand it, helps you better know why certain things are set up alignment-wise and why certain things are done to try to counter these pass-happy offenses in the Big 12. Great stuff from Ted. Let's roll on, shall we? A lot of hope, a lot of hype, a lot of talk around one Brendan Radley-Hiles. He is the true freshman five-star defensive back that signed with the Sooners, enrolled early, and has been the hit of not just the spring, but a fall camp as well, too. So OU Daily reporter, podcast guest George Stoya, Tulsa guy, Bishop Kelly alum, yeah, he decided to start digging a little bit. And when he dug, what he found is an incredible story on this incredible talent. And I asked George when he joined us when we talked to him earlier this week, when it dropped – how crazy was it? Because the reaction was unbelievable. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I think we dropped it Sunday morning. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me on, Chris, first off. But yeah, we dropped it Sunday morning um, and it just blew up. I mean, people were reading it so much that actually our site crashed um, for like 
five hours and we ended up because we, we have a, um, a project site where we put these in-depth stories um, and it was a be- beautifully designed by uh, Will Conover and, and Paxton Hawes. Um, and actually, I, I, we believe that the, cri- the site crashed um, because there were so many people trying to read it at once um, that it just couldn't handle all of it. So we ended up having to put it on just our regular site. So there's actually two places you can read it now. Um, but yeah, no, it was, I mean, people were texting me and, and shooting me DMs, um, people that I didn't even know, um, <laughs> reaching out saying that, you know, this is such a great story and stuff. And so I really appreciate that, but you know, um, it was just, it was, it was a fun one to write. You know, that's such a, a cool family. Um, I talked to his mom for probably hours on the phone, um, for the story. And I talked to his two brothers, um, and I talked to his high school coach. So I talked to just about a lot of people, you know, um, and it was, it was a fun one to write, you know, and I, I've written some cool stuff in the past, but this one's up there is, is one of the, one of my favorite things to have ever written. It's interesting because there's so many different angles to this. Um, I think there's a lot of different feelings that I feel. There's a part of me that's jealous. I was like, dang man. Cause I, I wanted to be able to see all these pictures and fight them. And then there's a part of me that's just so, so proud of, of what we were able to put out there, George, for, from the daily, this is, this looks like it wasn't an easy thing to put together and took a lot of time. And you've only been back in Norman for what, a week? So kind of take me through the process of putting this together and how long you actually worked on this before you guys went to uh, print with it. Yeah. So we actually, we have a magazine that comes out the week before the first game. So it'll come out next week. Um, And so we usually plan for that magazine um, in early July. And so we actually came up with, you know, all the storylines and ideas that we wanted to do. Um, and I mentioned Buki um, because, you know, he's been this guy that everybody's been talking about. And I typically don't like to buy into hype about guys that haven't really played a game. But this kid is something special, I believe. So um, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll take on that one. Think, didn't think it would take me that much time. Um, but I ended up working on it while I was in Detroit. Um, and it took me forever, actually, to get anybody to contact me. Um, and finally, I got a hold of the PR guy at IMG Academy who got me the head coach, who then got me his mom, and then his mom got me the brothers. Um, but, yeah, it took me – I mean, I started working on it early July, and I didn't get in contact with anybody till probably, like, July 30th oh, um, is, I think, when I talked to, my, talked to his mom. And I talked to his mom multiple times. Um, and then it took some time to write it. But I wrote it um, probably – I mean, within a week or so, once I got the interviews, because once I got the interviews, it was, it was pretty straightforward from there. And then, again, I have to shout out Will Conover and Paxton Hawes because they spent all this, this, this past week um, designing that website. Um, and, and shout out also to Brian Webb, uh, Buki's brother, who sent me all those cool photos of, those awesome. of him and, um, and of Buki at you know, a young age and, and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, they, they created the website in a week um, and then we dropped it. And of course it, it crashed, but it's back up. So you guys can check it out. Um, it's beautifully designed. Um, I, I think it's a great story. And again, like you said, there's so many different parts from the reason he wears his number um, to the reason he, he chose OU. There's just so many little tidbits. Um, so uh, I, I thought it was awesome. It, again, it was one of the most fun things I've ever written. And yeah, it was kind of a quick turnaround and, and I was kind of a, it was funny because, like I, you, like you said, I was interning for the Detroit Free Press, and so I was staying up kind of late at night uh, working on this when I had, you know, some free time. So that was kind of interesting. But um, again, it was it was worth it though because it was just a fun piece to write. I think the the two things that I dug were were early. Well, I mean, come on, we're, we'll get to the Mike Riley comments, but I dug 
anytime you can get the story behind a nickname. Because I think we all have friends who have a nickname, and it's like, oh, there's uh, there's Oil Can. Yeah, he drank out of oil, so we call him Oil Can. I made that up. But Buki is a great nickname. Buki, which I'm glad you clarified, because I still hear people calling him Buki on a regular occasion. Buki, and there's no reason behind it. I mean, there's just, she, she as his mom said, that's just our little Buki man. And so I thought that was kind of cool to find out that there's really no rhyme or reason behind it. Yeah, that's that's funny you say that because that was the first question I asked her <laughs> uh, when I got her on the phone. I was like, "So why is he named Buki?" And, and she was like, "Well, there's no real story there." And I was like, "Really?" And she goes, "Yeah, ever since he was born, I just called him my little Buki man." I was like, "That's that's incredibly interesting." Because I was, you know, me, I'm I'm like, I man, I can't wait to hear the story behind behind how he got the Buki nickname. Right. So. Um, but that was, yeah, that was definitely interesting. I, and again, if you haven't read it, I mean, I, I maybe I should be throwing out spoiler alerts here because I don't want to give away everything. You guys can go to the OU Daily website, OUDaily.com. George's Twitter feed uh, has the link to it as well, too, pinned on the top of his Twitter feed, at George Stoya. That's S-T-O-I-A for his last name. But were you surprised to get as much out of Mike Riley as you did? Well, see, I didn't even, I didn't talk to Mike Riley, okay. um, but... This yeah this so this was his mom um, and his brothers telling me this okay um, and in part I mean um, you know they when she first said it because I this was like forty minutes into like a two hour long conversation <laughs> that I had with her and uh, she first said it and I like paused and like the phone kind of went silent and I was like wait he said what now and so um, she repeated it and then I asked you know his brothers and and um, and they all were like yeah that's that's what he said he said you know once. Buki told him that he was decommitting. He said, well, uh, and he, he t- told him, I believe, that uh, he was going to commit to Oklahoma. And Mike Riley said, you know, if I, if you were my son, I'd tell you to go to Oklahoma. Um, and so I thought that was incredibly interesting. And I know some Nebraska fans are a little upset. They've been kind of in my mentions and, and other people's mentions about Mike Riley. But um, I think that kind of says a lot about Mike Riley's character. Um, I think the feeling I got is that everybody kind of knew Mike Riley was kind of on the outs at Nebraska. Um, and I think he just wanted the best for Buki because um, he knew he was a great kid and, and he had been committed to Nebraska for so long. Um, and I think that's where those comments came from. Um, and so I think he just wanted the best for Buki. So I don't, I, I know some Nebraska fans are like, Oh, why would you say that? But um, no, it was definitely an interesting quote. And I think it was probably the biggest takeaway from a lot of people was like, Whoa, that's kind of interesting that Mike Riley would say that. I think it's a little bit unfair, though, if that's the only thing anyone takes away. Because, right. again, it is it is probably that headline. It is probably what a lot of people around college football might see and go with. But there's so much more here, including and in what stood out to me. George, a lot of times whenever someone new comes in, there's always this, well, this dude's going to take my job and there might be a little bit of friction but, you know, I was thinking about what Robert Barnes said in your piece and seeing him hanging out with guys like Jordan Parker and Trey Norwood. Even though he's new, even though he's the guy that's getting a lot of the pub, it seems as if everything has been pretty smooth based on the comments that you have from Robert Barnes. I mean, he called him his brother. That's huge for a guy that's a true freshman. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that, you know, that's the takeaway that I've, I've had just from camp is, you know, these guys are really enjoying Buki's presence. Um, he's already taken on kind of a leadership role in that locker room, um, and I think that's incredible for a true freshman to, to have that, um, you know, that type of aura with him. I mean, I talk about that, you know, his coach called him the Pied Piper, and I, I think that says a lot about a kid that has only been on campus for, what, like eight months maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that says a lot, and uh, I, I didn't even add the quotes from Trey Norwood or Jordan Parker that, you know, just rave about him. So 
um, yeah, I think I think he's just an all around great kid, and it's interesting I say that as I've not even talked to the kid because um, <laughs> you, you know to his mom. freshmen, right? And so freshmen don't even um, they can't talk to the media until they they play in a full game, and so it's interesting. Like we have this entire you know three thousand word story, and I haven't even talked to the kid, and and um, it's just it's just, I think he's just a special kid, and and everybody I've talked to is like just wait till he starts talking to the media. He's he's unbelievably well spoken. Um, and he's just a leader. And I, I think we can see that. Um, and we don't get to see much of practice, obviously. Um, but just the way that, you know, Mike Stoops, Kerry Cooks, Robert Barnes, Trey Norwood, everybody's talking about this kid. Um, and I think that says a lot about him. I, I want to ask two more, then I'll let you go, George. And for those who don't know, George just got done with class. And now he's sliding <laughs> on talking about this, uh, what did you say, 4,000-word piece that you put together, which is incredible. Yeah, it's like, I think it's around in the 3,000-word range. Oh, I'm so. sorry. Just just go with four thousand. I mean, if anyone <laughs> if anyone cuts and pastes and tries to get us wrong on that one, I'll argue with them. What's Brendan? Uh, I'm sorry. What's his mom like? You spend a lot of time, as you said. I think we get a lot of her personality out here in this piece, but she seems like she's just really enjoying seeing her kid have fun. Yeah, and she's she and her family have faced a lot of adversity in her life, um, and I, I talk about it a little bit in the in the article, but. She's just very down to earth um, and she just wants the best for her kids. You know, I mentioned that he played at three different high schools and that was mostly because Brenda just wanted him to be the best he could be um, and put him in a, in, a, in a place that, you know, he can succeed and become a better football player and a better man. Um, and so she just talked a lot about that and she just seems very down to earth. And I know um, the father wasn't quite in the picture that much. And so she's kind of raised all of her kids on her own, um, but she's just a very sweet lady and, she took my call anytime. I, I probably called her, I don't know, five or six times just to talk and, and get more information. And she was more than willing to talk to me. Um, and she said she can't wait to come down to all the games this year. Um, she's just a very nice lady down to earth. And, you know, she doesn't have to take my call like that. Um, and and so I, I really appreciated that. And she um, she loved the article. She reached out to me as soon as I sent it to her. And so she absolutely loved it. She said it's the best article she's ever written on him. Um, and so I, 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 I just really appreciate her and, and, um, I can't wait to maybe talk to her again in the future when, when Buki really starts playing and stuff, but yeah, she's a great lady. And, and, um, you know, she, she kept talking about how, um, she's thinking about maybe moving to Norman just to watch it play. Um, she doesn't know if she'll do that yet, but, um, she just seems like a, seems like a great lady and, and I've only talked to her over the phone. So hopefully I get to meet her in person one day. You know, and, and I, I say this, I, I'm I'm teetering this line between not wanting to give away too much and people to still read the story, but then George, I, I as someone who's read it a couple of times, I, I, I'm infatuated in kind of getting your take on it. The saga of Brandon Webb really seems to be something that has affected Buki and 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 maybe even beyond that his family. And I think when you read and you see, that's part of that overcoming adversity in this young man's life, isn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. And it's interesting because it, his death actually occurred four years before he was even born, um, wow. which I thought was extremely interesting that he was that affected by it. Um, and I think that just shows how close his family is. Uh, they seem very tight knit. Um, I know they all live up in the L.A. area now. Um, and, you know, Buki was obviously a celebrity there. But um, it's interesting that I think one of my favorite parts was that they all said that as each player, you know, each kid was born, the players got better at football. And, and there's this quote from his brother, Lucky, that said he's like the finishing masterpiece, um, which I thought was extremely interesting. And so, but yeah, no, I, I think the family's just really, really close. And, and um, that death, that was very unfortunate. 
um, and, and tragedy uh, has kind of turned, you know, Buki's career into this, you know, um, amazing feat. And uh, I know he, he tweets about him. If you follow Buki on, on Twitter, he tweets about him all the time. Um, and so I found it really interesting. And um, especially that he was born four years and four days, so 44, um, exactly after, I believe, his brother's birthday is what, what it was. So, um, which is extremely interesting, again, playing into that, you know, number 44. Yeah, I think it was four years and four days after his death, wasn't it? Yeah, that I, may, might have yeah. been. I can't remember it. I mean, you wrote 3,000 words. I can imagine where the mind might forget a few. But listen, uh, George, you know I'm one of your biggest fans, man. I'm so proud of this piece. I'm glad that it blew up. I'm glad that you asking players this summer if they want Bama blew up. You deserve it, man. Uh, and, and we'll see you at the opener next Saturday, bud. Definitely. Thanks for having me, Chris. All right, see you, George. George Stoya, what an incredible story. His, his brother that he never met passed away in a tragic shooting before he was born. And it seems in just about everything that Brendan Radley Hiles does, it's in paying tribute to his brother. Great stuff. Good good job by George, man. And as we said, make sure you give George a follow on Twitter. And if you haven't had a chance to read the article yet, I highly suggest it. It's worth your time at OUDaily.com. All right, we wrap up our interviews today talking about the newest addition to Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. It's the North Board. It's all new. And Brandon Meyer joins us. And, you know, it's it's interesting, Brandon, because it kind of seems like maybe things slowed down a little bit for you this summer. I mean, I know you had the North Board project, but with the, uh, I, I would imagine, insanity of the South End Zone project over the last couple of years, has this summer been a little bit more relaxed for you? Uh, a little bit. I mean, the summer is... Kind of my busier time, you know, we have less production, but planning for everything that goes on during the season is, uh, you know, happens in July and August. And so, uh, uh, you know, a little less than the years when we were putting in the uh, South video board, but, uh, but still busy. How would you compare the project in the North end zone to the uh, project in the South end zone? Obviously from a scale perspective, much larger in the South end zone, but Brandon, has it been as, as smooth as you would hope? Yeah, it's gone really well, actually. Uh, uh, you know, the South Project, there were so many things with the construction of the uh, of the end zone structure and the steel structure and the football offices that, you know, you sort of had to wait on different pieces. And there were just, you know, a thousand more moving parts. Uh, the North End Zone Project, uh, you know, we've really, really only dealing with uh, two contractors and both of them uh, – um, had some tight deadlines to meet, but uh, I've done that, and and you know we're a week out, and we just this morning turned uh, got every got electricity to every board and turned it all on, and now the fun part begins in in programming uh, everything uh, from sizes to logos and fonts and exactly uh, what we thought in our plans, you know, see how that looks on the on the new video boards and. Uh, and do some adjustments, and then go from there. What is that moment like for you when it powers on? And it's like, okay, hey, it works. We, we're 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 on a step in the right direction. Oh, uh, it was great. I mean, I they uh, when we I think when, when did I see the the North Board last week? We got some colors on it, but I really saw it with co- video content on it yesterday. Um, and I sat in the South End Zone, and um, you know, I, I was just. I was so happy for for the size, the clarity, the brightness. I thought, you know, these people 
are going to be so happy to, to look up and see replays. And, uh, you know, it, it turned out uh, really, I think, better than I expected. So. You know, we, it, we've talked about this on the podcast before, Brandon, but basically every single year you've done something to try to improve the North Board. If it was uh, cleaning, if it was different types of, I don't know if bulbs is even the right term, but it's got to be pretty rewarding to just be able to, to put in a new board after all the work that you've put in to try to make that North Board as fan-friendly as possible in the past. It is. When the first year I got here, we had kind of a, a board that was just amber LEDs, and it was more like like a highway sign that you would see anymore than a video board. And oh, then no. uh, we sort of tried to make a video board fit into that same that same structure. So when we planned this North Board, uh, we knew structurally we were going to have to um, you know make this thing significantly bigger than it was before. And um, you know, there's. I can't uh, express how how much thought, how much planning went into to that board, um, and um, we we made it absolutely as big as the structural engineers would allow. Um, I mean, to the inch. So awesome. um, it, it looks good. And and what's what's great about it is from the backside, fans don't even notice. Uh, from the backside, it doesn't look uh, any different at all. It is. It is taller than before, um, but uh, you know you you wouldn't notice unless you uh, unless you got up there and, and actually measured the capstone to see that it was larger. Can I, I know that this might be a little bit too in depth for one radio segment, but Brandon, can you kind of take us through the process and how it begins, and then the first step and kind of just building it and putting it together? I mean, is it? This is going to sound so goofy. But is it like when you put a picture up on the wall that you just hang it, or do you have to put it up piece by piece? What's that process like when you're putting up a board like this? Uh, so much of it is in, in, anymore is in the wind load. Okay. And that the wind load determines uh, how big that, that thing can be and what the structure can hold. Um, and uh, everybody said, well, hey, this isn't as big or as wide as the south board. And uh, the south board was going to require um, tens, uh, tens of millions of dollars of steel that would go down, you know, all the way down to the ground and sort of look like the structure that you and I have seen maybe at Iowa State, you know, sort of a, gotcha. a giant steel tube structure to hold that. And uh, we, we, we vetted all of those ideas uh, and hats off to our, uh, architecture and engineering crew here at OU who, uh, you know, they, from a construction standpoint, uh, um, you know, the technology is there anymore to lay it all out, see what it's going to look like, kind of fly through. You can put yourself in different seats in the, uh, in the bowl. And, uh, and, and that's fascinating. That didn't, you know, that technology wasn't there, uh, 10 years ago, but, uh, um, you know, we, we kind of looked at all different options. Uh, the process is really deciding, hey, this is what you want to do. Um, this is what we think the construction is going to cost. This is what we think the board's going to cost. And then uh, go to the Board of Regents. And uh, when you say process, man, it is a process. <laughs> this process started almost a year and a half ago. Wow. Uh, but to get the Board of Regents approval and to get a, a contractor hired and then um, decide what type of video board you want and um, you know, what's going to complement it. Even little things like how will the 
photographer shoot on top of it because our coaches um video guys like to go up there and use that angle to break down coaches film so you know how will they get their equipment up what's the safe way for them to uh you know to get up to the top of the board uh all kinds of little logistics that you would never think of even how to get their equipment up there's a small crane that's going up right now that will kind of go off to the side and help them winch their camera gear and any pyro gear and all that up to the up to the top there's a lot of really good angles of it on the OU Athletics account at OU underscore athletics. I just retweeted it on my account, too, at Plank Show. Uh, it is really amazing, Brandon, because you can see the difference that it makes in the stadium. But you're right. If you're walking up and you look up at the clock, it's going to be completely the same. There's no difference there. No, like I said, we use wow. every every inch that, uh, that we could without uh, without really going and building a massive structure that would – Go all the way to the ground and and, uh, and really be uh, you know really mess with the aesthetics of what we have right now. So I think one thing too that we need to magnify before I let you go is how you you and this might sound cheesy, dude. Don't make fun of me when you see me, but you care. You care what the fans say, think, and what they want. And if it's working on the aesthetics, uh, or ex- yeah, the aesthetics from the outside, making sure you don't lose that feel. If it's working on the audio from inside the stadium, from the view from the south end zone to the north, and vice versa. Brandon, you guys take all of this into account, and whenever fans speak up, you guys listen to them. We do. We do fan surveys every year. We measure their satisfaction with uh, everything from from band to music to video board to out-of-town scores to um, to sponsorships to concessions to parking to bathroom. Uh, we take all of that into account um, and uh, and even safety. You know, there's a, there's a, a big initiative right now for clear bags and uh, metal detectors. And, um, you know, we, we every year try to uh, um, do thousands of surveys with our fans and figure out what the pulse is and, and then where we should be uh, allocating, you know, the dollars and spending those dollars the right way. And uh, and this, the North Board had come up uh, for years as something that uh, we knew we kind of had to address. And um, and then when we built the South End Zone, I think that kind of amplified just a little bit more because those folks, uh, you know, don't have the luxury anymore of turning around and <laughs> seeing the, the big board. So, uh, uh, no, it, it is a process, and our leadership here um, – you know, starting with Joe and Kenny Mossman and um, Larry Nafee, they do a great job of, of uh, you know, taking care of this stadium, of this place. I mean, they it is the cathedral of college football, and it's taken care of uh, um, like like that. Joe Castiglione calls Brandon Meyer his inspector gadget. I think it's cool. He's one of the he's one of the best, hardest working, most knowledgeable people that I've ever been around in my entire life. Well, that'll do it. For this week's edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast, we are back with three big episodes next week. Our summer siesta, our summer swoon is O-V-E-R over, and we are back at it. Game week kicks off with Toby Rowland and myself and the game plan that will drop on Tuesday. Jessica Cootie on Wednesday. And then we'll be back for the tailgate next Friday with Joe Castiglione. Until then, have a great week and Boomer Sooner, everybody. And don't forget, if you want to hear the full press conferences with Lincoln Riley and Kyler Murray, stick around. Good stuff from the coach in QB1. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. 
Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. It was pretty, you know, pretty simple, honestly. I don't know that there's some elaborate breakdown, you know, that we have. I just think he, as we looked at the whole body of work, thought that he was just slightly ahead of Austin. And uh, so it was a, a very close one. Uh, like I told you guys the other day, it was very close. Stayed that way, one of the closest that I've been involved with. They both did a tremendous job. At the end of the day, you know, only one can do it. And uh, we'll need them both to be successful this year, we know. And uh, so, but Kyler's going to be the guy right now. What changed or what, how did it evolve since Monday? Just a couple more practices, honestly. Uh, they, we put the same amount of weight or importance on, on each and every day. Um, so I don't know that we learned just something earth shattering here in the last two days. I think, again, it was uh, getting a chance to see these guys in a little bit more of a prep mode, uh, getting to see them against the scout team, working uh, against some of the, you know, our upcoming opponents. Um, so getting to see them a little bit in a different light and then just gave us a little bit more to, to look back on and, and make our decision on. How did Austin take the news? Uh, like uh, any competitor you would expect. Uh, handled it, you know, very in a very mature way. Uh, certainly is disappointed, wants to play. Um, you know, for a guy like him, you can't sit there and say, well, what I did here over the last you know, several months didn't work. You know, what he did over the last several months did work. He's a much, much improved player. It's going to help him a lot going forward. And uh, he's got to continue to bring the same mindset and attitude uh, that he did throughout this entire competition. Because regardless of anybody else, he has improved dramatically. And uh, so, and he started it off today. He came out there on, you know, what we all know is a difficult day for him and, and had a heck of a practice. How much do you think uh, his improvement helped Kyler a lot? I don't know. I mean, the the competition always always helps. They they probably helped each other. Uh, you know, when you got two guys that are playing at a high level, you know, nobody they both understand somebody's not going to win this by default. You know, it's sometimes you have only one good player, and it's you know it's pretty obvious. And and uh, regardless of what you say, it's it's clear to everybody you know who it is, and that this guy's just a whole lot better. And that wasn't the case here. So. They made each other better. Uh, they fed off of each other. When one of them would raise their game, the other one would answer back. And, and uh, they both played at a high level. So it's made them better individually, and it certainly made this team better. Lincoln, how, how is this talk with Austin different compared to last year when you told him he was going to ride shirt? It's a different, you know, competition to be the starting guy is just different. There's a different feel to it. He's in a lot different place than he was. You know, he was just coming off a – you know, if this first year backing up Baker and still trying to figure it all out, that that had been a little bit of a, a whirlwind for him, as we can all imagine. And uh, so, and, and last year for his development, you know, it made a lot of sense. Uh, this year was different because he, his approach was better. He's a much better player. He's more, he's more invested, more, uh, more in tune with what we're doing. I mean, he and he played at a high level, so uh, it was. Uh, this one's this one's always hard, no doubt. When both guys are playing at a high level, and uh, but that's part of it. He gets it. We all get it, and uh, he's going to have an important role going forward for this team. We're going to need him, and uh, I think he'll be ready to respond when that time comes. What time did you? That he's, uh, he, he's been playing the best that he's ever played. Can you kind of put that in perspective? What you've seen different from him when you first arrived to to now? He's certainly grown a lot. You know, I think maturity-wise, he's grown a lot uh, in every sense of it. I feel. 
I feel like the last two years were really good for him. You know, he came in, you know, came into A&M, you know, so Harold did so much hype behind it. Uh, and then to be able to come here, you know, kind of catch his breath, you know, you know, learn from this program, the culture in this program, from the people in it, uh, to have different roles from going to being a scout team guy and then being a backup last year. Those are roles that he's never had to have in his life. Um, so that was all good for him, I think, to understand the whole process, what it really takes to be great. And uh, so he's gotten a lot better. He's got a long ways to go. You know, this is just a just a starting point here. But, you know, obviously I'm excited about his progress. Did you did you let Kyler know and, and can you guys take us take us through what that conversation was like? I, I got them both in this morning, late to mid morning, and told them. Um, That's pretty simple, you know. Just told them. I, I don't think it's situations like that that guys, whether it's good news for them or bad news. I mean, these these are you know elite athletes. They're competitors. They don't want you to to beat around the bush. You know, they want you to just. Tell them straight, and that's what I did. And uh, so told them both what the situation was, what the expectations were going forward, um, what we based the decision on, and then uh, didn't spend too much on, you know, camp and the decision, all that. It was more, all right, that's all well and good now. Now what do you need to do going forward? So that was, you know, my approach uh, with both of them. Touching on that, you talked last week about your last big quarterback battle at East Carolina and the way that that shook out those first couple games. How do you keep Kyler sharp and improving and uh, Austin engaged and ready if uh, he's needed? Well, that's where the competition comes back because, you know, they know that, you know, we both we have two good players in there. And they know the expectation of, of just within this offense, the expectations we have as far as the quarterback's performance and our offense's performance. So they realize that. They realize that this is, you know, this right now is uh, for – the what the next 10 days and then the first snap against FAU and then after that it's about you know you know who's playing the best who stays healthy all those different things that are going to determine who plays so this is uh as we keep the competition always going here uh depend no matter the position no matter the time uh of the year that's that's just what we believe in in this program and quarterbacks no different you look back on the leadership what's that do you think you might work Austin in from time to time, given the fact that the race was so close? Yeah, I'd love to be able to work him in. You know, so we got to see how how games go. You know, how the natural progression goes. But I'm I'm very comfortable. I could have just easily said that he was going to be the quarterback and would have complete faith and confidence in, in his ability to lead us. Big part of these guys, whoever's going to get the job, they're going to be a new quarterback. Hadn't played a lot. And a lot has made the last years about Baker's leadership with the team. Looking back. Was that how much did coaching have to do with Baker and his leadership style? How much will it deal with Kyler and his style of leadership with the team? Well, it's it's different. Their, their styles are different, uh, and everybody's styles are different. Uh, but the key is how somebody would lead last year's team and how somebody would lead this year's team are different. You know, the team dynamic is so different. And you know, being a quarterback is you know you got to be what your team needs you to be in those moments and. Part of it is knowing your team well enough to figure that out. And so uh, there's things that these guys both do well as leaders. There's things Kyler does very well as a leader. There's things he's got to grow on, just like all the young quarterbacks that we've had. But um, I'm confident in his ability to lead our group and to do his job. And he's got to do a great job, like all of our players, like uh, me as a head coach, of figuring out how this team needs to be led and what's the most effective way to do it. Lincoln, you know, he's so fast that it's – you know, when you talk about him, it's hard not to focus just on that speed. But 
he's shown you that he can really throw the ball. I mean, obviously he couldn't quarterback here if he didn't throw the ball. It seems like nationally a lot of people miss that, that he's been a pretty good throwing quarterback for you, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, you said it. I mean, they, you know, guy wouldn't be able to play here, nor would we recruit him here if we didn't think they were going to be a good enough thrower. I mean, it, it starts with that, and it starts with the ability to lead, and it starts with the ability to throw the football, and everything else is all well and good, but our guys are going to have to be able to do that. So he's going to get his chance. You know, people can say this or that, but he'll he'll get his chance to, to show what he can do. Bob used to tell us in these competitions that uh, the guy who makes the fewest catastrophic mistakes is usually the one who wins the competition. Did that, does that stand for this as well? And uh, where, do you, where do you measure that? Uh, where do you assess that measurement? Oh, it's it's absolutely a big factor, you know, just because you can't you can't win championships and you can't win big games, you know, making those huge mistakes. And those are the ones in large part we've been able to avoid here for the last several years. And that'll be key going forward. It was certainly an important part of this competition, but it was not a they were close enough in that respect that it was definitely not a differentiating factor. Lincoln, how, do you, how do you move for, moving forward? How do you kind of have to manage expectations? Because I mean, you look at Baker's start, just good against Akron. But it really took that second half of Tennessee before he kind of started becoming who he was as a quarterback in this offense. Do you you kind of have to manage, you know, any kind of frustrations you might have early on with Kyle? Well, you know, we're in a different time and place, but but I do think it is important. Yeah, forever for all of us to keep in perspective. I, you said second half of Tennessee. I mean, it's really the second half of the fourth quarter in overtime, and then we had a couple games. I think we played Tulsa here, and he played pretty good. You know, didn't play well at Texas. I mean, really the first half of that season was just, you know, was just okay offensively, quarterback, all of the above. Some great moments, some not great moments, and second half of that season's where he started to take off. But then again, he was also dealing with, you know, a brand new offense at the time, as were all those other offensive players. So. Our expectations are high. You know, we've got we've got good players around these guys. These guys are good players. Uh, you know, our ex- expectations offensively, I would say, are right where they've been here for the last couple of years. Who asked you about mistakes, Lincoln? And the last time anyone saw Kyler consistently a quarterback, he, he made he was still making them at, at A&M. Was that a case in, in his, at that stage of his career of a of a supreme athlete still trying to figure out the position? I don't know. Last time everybody saw Baker before he played here, he made a bunch of them too. Right, and the growth was obvious. In his yeah. case, I take it you see the same uh, yeah. potential for a curve. There sure. No, it's hard for it's hard for you know freshmen to play at this position. No, no question about it. It's doable. Uh, you see some guys across the nation having some degrees of success. Most of them don't have the leeway or put as much on them, and you know that we do offensively. Uh, so, but yeah, I think I think you know Kyler's certainly grown. I. Haven't paid a whole lot of attention to what he did at A and M, other than when I, you know, looked at him before we brought him here. But I'm happy with his progress. I, I think he's quite a bit different than he was then. Did you notice Kyler carrying himself differently today, officially knowing that he's got? No, not really. I mean, he's he's kind of his own guy, and they need to be. And I think you know he's he's worked hard to try to lead here, um, and will continue to do so. But no, I'm sure. You know, it probably felt a little different to everybody out there, you know, for the first day, but that's just a first day thing, and tomorrow it'll be back to business as usual. How's this going to help you as an offensive coordinator, having knowing who your quarterback is going to the opener now? Well, I, it, I, it helps, but also, you know, we're one snap away from, from in a lot of different situations of playing with the other guy. And then I think also, you know, I've, luckily enough, I've had these guys here now for multiple years, you know, and so I, 
I, I feel like I've got a, you know, a good grasp on, you know, what they're comfortable with, what they do well, what they don't. Well, I'll continue to learn about them. We will as a staff, but uh, it's not like it's two new guys rolling in here. So um, I think we've we've got a pretty good grasp on what they what they can do well and how we can tailor it best to fit both of them. Along those lines, you, you talked about that tailoring to the quarterback. Now you have the, the player. How does that kind of make it easier for you now going into the season? Maybe open up the offense more than maybe you had it during fall camp at all. And, how does that uh, make you feel going forward? Makes me feel fine. I mean, somebody's got to play. You know, I, I I don't know opening up the offense. I mean, we, we've been pretty wide open here for the last few years. So we're going to try to keep scoring some points, try to do the best we can each and every week. I don't I don't know that we ever feel like, well, all of a sudden we're just opening it up. You know, it's just more of, you know, what do you have at a certain time? What's going to be the best uh, strategy and scheme to help us score points to try to win this game and whatever that is, we do it. This game is such a quarterback-driven game, and, and it's difficult to win if your starting quarterback is injured. What's your fear factor right now? Your fear level of letting him run, letting him be the athlete that he is. I don't, I don't coach with fear. You know, this is football. Things happen. Um, guys get nicked up. Guys, I mean, it's it's just part of the game. You know, and you just, I think. That's why you recruit hard. That's why you have people behind them. Uh, because if you if you coach or play scared or, or with fear, then you know it's hard to be very successful. Uh, I think you also got to be smart. You know, Baker was a great example. It took him his first year. He took a lot of shots that were absolutely unnecessary, and uh, so that's something that you've got to grow from. And so there'll be maybe not that. There'll be different things that we're going to have to learn and grow from. That's that's part of the process. But you know, we're we're not going to. We're not going to let fear take control of us. There, we're going to we're going to be aggressive. That's always been our mindset. First time you've had a running quarterback quite like this. Um, do you have to temper your own expectations that we're we're absolutely not going to give him the ball twenty times a game, or is six too many, or do you have a number in your head? I don't have a number in my head. You know, we're just again we're just trying to coach to win. You know, and that's. Our, all of our players are on board with that. They understand that. That's just kind of the expectations when you walk in the door here. With Austin, uh, you mentioned keeping him engaged during a season. You've mentioned before that maybe the door isn't shut, that Kyler could come back, and you guys obviously have quarterbacks coming in all the time. What advice would you have to him staying engaged maybe over the next couple seasons that you know he, this may not be his last quarterback battle? Oh, sure. Oh, it, it won't be. You know, It won't be. He's too good of a player. And so... I think he just again he can't look at the the results of today and say that what I've done over the last few months or through my career here has not has not worked. Uh, it has, and specifically what he's done over the last four or five months through through this summer and in this fall camp, uh, his his rise has been as strong as anybody in our program. So if he continues to do that, great things are going to happen for that kid, no doubt about it. Two more. Kyler's pretty. Stone faced guy, he give you any kind of reaction at all when you gave him the news? Yeah, I mean, he's excited, but I mean, they, you know, I think both those guys, regardless who I would have told the good news to, I think they both understand that the, the real work's ahead. And uh, this is just uh, part of the process. That's against where it goes back being good to having guys that have been through this program, they've played in games, they've backed up guys, they've seen. They've seen a lot. Now, I know they've got to go do it, but, you know, they don't get too high or too low, and I think they they understand, you know, everything that's getting ready to come at them. I think they understand that it's going to be a long process, and, you know, we're off to a good start, but we as a team and they as players have a long ways to go. Lincoln, now that you've named a starting quarterback, did you name a starting center to go on? <laughs> <laughs> not yet, not yet. We're uh, 
not yet on that one. We, that one's a little bit easier to, to play out uh, just because of the nature of the position, a little bit easier to play out. So uh, still a great battle, but not ready yet. Obviously, it's a, it's a huge honor for me. Um, you know, something you know, I've dreamed of. Uh, I've been working hard since, ever since I got here. You know, it's the moment, you know, since I've started playing, I've been working for this. So uh, for me to you know, be named a starting quarterback is obviously a huge honor. And uh, you know, I know the standard you know, at the, of the position at this uh, university. So it's my job to uphold it. Tyler, how did Coach Riley let you know the news? Oh, he just called me in my, uh, his office and you know, let me know. So it was. Did you know that that was coming, and did you know that you were going to be the guy when it did? Uh, I mean, I knew I knew the time that you know we play next weekend, so I, I knew uh, had to be soon. Uh, he texted me and uh, told me to come meet him. I just had I mean I had a feeling that you know this was what it was about. So yeah, I guess. Was there anybody that you reached out to first, uh, made a call to your mom or, or somebody? I mean, oh, yeah, I texted my people after uh, after he told me. So How competing free. with Austin Kendall make you a better quarterback. I mean, I, I mean, every quarterback here, uh, competing with them every day, uh, coming in, working hard. Uh, you know, it wasn't really about the competition, um, you know, as most of y'all might think it is. But no, me and him came in every day, worked hard, uh, and tr just tried to get better. That's all it was about. So, I mean, working with him has been fun. Uh, you know, he's still obviously, you know, he's still here. So we got to work together, you know, in order to uh, accomplish what we want to accomplish. You talked to Austin since you uh, since the decision, and what's those conversations? Been? How I talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we're in the meeting room every day, so it's. I mean, it's, it was nothing, though. Nothing, though. You said uh, Riley called you to his main yeah. office. The, yeah. The big. The big office. The chambers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, is that common for you guys to meet in there or in that specific setting? Uh, I mean, if he, if it's one on one, you know, he usually has us in there or you know in the QB QB room. Uh, doesn't really matter. Where do you think you made your biggest strides improving as a quarterback from say your red shirt <clears> last year up to now? Uh, I mean, like, I think I've been playing, you know, the best football in my life since, you know, this past couple months or, you know, uh, as of late, uh, you know, growing from freshman year at A&M to now, uh, you know, being with Coach Riley has obviously helped me a lot. You know, sitting behind Baker has helped me a lot. Um, and, you know, now it's time to go, you know, put that to put that to the show. So has there been a sense of tension as you come to work every day or with, is there now today a sense of relief? Uh, no, I mean, I, I wasn't stressing about any of it. Um, like I said, every day, just come in, work hard, and I knew, you know, if I, if I do what I'm supposed to, uh, continue to get better, um, you know, then that should take care of itself. Is there a different leadership type of situation when you're finally named? I mean, a lot of the guys you're talking about, they really love you both and support mm -hmm. you both. Now you're the guy. Is it a little bit of a different leadership track? Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I'm the guy now, so I mean, I, I definitely expect him to, you know, continue to do his thing as far as uh, leadership goes. But uh, you know, everyone's probably going to be looking at me um, on and off the field now, so uh, I guess it's a little different. How evenly had the reps been split between you guys up to this point? Uh, pretty, pretty even um, up until obviously today. Uh, now that you know he named me the starter, uh, you know, it kind of goes. Obviously, I'm going to get more of the reps just because that's just what it is. Um, but up until now, it's been pretty even. What do you think separated you from Austin? What separated us? Uh, honestly, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you. I mean, I just, like I said, I came in here every day, ready to work, uh, try to get better, and, you know, try to push my teammates. And that's, you know, that's really what it was. How much more ready are you for this uh, now than you were as a freshman at Texas A&M? Uh, I would say a lot ready. I mean, a lot more ready. Um, you know, the preparation. You know, sitting sitting for three years. Uh, obviously, nobody wants to sit for that long. But uh, you know, I think it's it's helped me in a lot of ways. So 
I'm, I'm, I think I'm pretty ready for it. How much is it, it, I don't know, bothered you is the right word, but how anxious have you been to kind of get back on the field and show people, yeah. you know, that that's not the end of the story for you, quarterback? Um, I mean, a, a lot, I guess, you know. Um, I'm pretty self-motivated guy, so for me, you know, what, what everybody else says is, you know, just kind of, you know, in addition to, you know, the fire. So uh, I don't really have much to say about it, but other than, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go, and uh, we'll be ready next Saturday. Maybe talk to Baker since he's been starting. Yeah, yeah, he texted me. You guys, Baker, when he left that game against West Virginia and you yeah. came back in, you guys had a little moment where, I don't know, shook hands. He's talking or, about like in the second half. Do what? Second half? Yeah, yeah, when he was leaving the game for the final time yeah, and yeah, you were coming in. Yeah. Are you able to share at all what you guys said? I mean, it wasn't really like much much to say. I mean, you know, it was his last home game. Uh you know he's he's meant to, uh, meant a lot to this program to me. Uh, you know he he did a lot for us. So uh, you know it was just more of a you know congratulations. You know n you know honor him whatever everything he's done. So that was really about it. Does that add anything? I mean obviously this is a lot of great quarterbacks have come through here. He's the latest. Now you've got to come replace him. Comparisons. Mm -hmm. Is that any pressure or anything? How do you, how you do? No, nah, I mean like I, I mean like I said. I mean there's a standard here at the position. You know quarterback. Uh, you know, you, you come here to play quarterback and you play it well. So, uh, for me, that's my job, and I'm, I'm prepared to do that. Hi, when you see the 2015 version of yourself, what, yeah. how, how, what do you see, number one? And number two, what, what's obviously the high, the high school or the freshman? Uh, freshman. Oh, uh, just, I mean, I was just young, you know, young. Uh, and a lot of kids think they can come out of high school and, you know, do it at a high level. Uh, I mean, some do. Uh, but I think you know, you just a lot learn different. Um, you know, it takes a while to adjust to the game. Uh, coaching matters a lot, as you can see. Uh, and I mean, just you know, time, just being you know, putting the time in um, and getting comfortable. I think that's about it. What can, what would you lead with when you say coaching matters a lot? Yeah. What would you lead with when when someone were to ask what what Lincoln's provided for you since you got here? Uh, attention to detail. You know, he uh, a lot of people. You know, kind of a guru, or you know, he's he's very smart. Uh, very quarterback friendly offense, but you know he just he coaches everything you know to the little you know little details, and I mean he doesn't let anything slide. Uh, harps on everything a lot, you know even stuff that you know you may think doesn't matter. He he gets on you about that stuff. So uh, just there's just that type of stuff, and as well as you know his scheme and him calling plays. Obviously you know he's he's very very good at that. So. Yeah, and I, and I don't expect you to don't misinterpret this. I don't want you to dump on what happened at A and M necessarily, yeah. but just. Can you, can you quantify just how different that is versus what you got when you started at College Station? Uh, I mean, like I said, I was just young, um, and I mean, it was a different situation. Um, I feel like I'm in a better situation now. So I mean, it's, I was just, I feel like I was just young and you know wasn't wasn't ready. Can you watch a guy like Baker, and his he's got a sudden personality. You have yours, obviously. Are there things you can take from him, but still be yourself in terms of leadership? I mean, not just playing, but just how, how he interacts with the team, leadership, things of that nature. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously a great leader. He's been a great leader for us uh, for the past three years. So, I mean, watching him, uh, I mean, there's not much to say. I mean, he's a great leader. Uh, I've learned a lot from him. And yeah, I mean, I've definitely taken stuff from him, so. Kyler uh, Lincoln said early in camp, he wanted to see how his quarterbacks kind of utilize the weapons that you have offensively. How, how big a part was it of you you know, trying to get Marquise involved in deep ball, trying to get CD, Calcaterra, um, and, and I guess we all kind of have to do something special in the run game too. But how much of a factor was that, you think, in this thing? Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, this this offense is explosive. Uh, and, you know, whichever quarterback is in there making plays, uh, you know, I think 
has a has an edge. But I mean, we both made plays. But uh, you want to you want to satisfy those guys as much as possible, obviously, because you know those are the, those are receivers. But uh, I don't think it really had much to do with that at all. Um, you know, we got a lot of guys that can go out there, um, and you know, it, it was it was good all, all uh, fall camp. So I don't think it really had much to do with that at all. Talk about you know playing the best ball that you've ever played. Yeah. Can you kind of put that in perspective, kind of in your mind? Uh, just seeing stuff, you know. Uh, you know, when I like I said when I was a freshman, I wouldn't uh, just knowing what to do when this situation comes up. Um, just seeing stuff more. Uh, like I mean, I've seen stuff in high school, but you know when you get to the college level, it's a little different. Um, and like I said, with coach, you know, helping you out, um, you know, it's it's just different. I can't really explain it, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's just a little different. A lot of people kind of are aware of your dad's influence on you mm-hmm. because of his past and what he does, but what about your mom? How is she kind of shaped? Uh, she, I mean, she don't really care uh, about, you know, sports in general. She just made, she just wants me to be happy uh, in whatever I'm doing. So uh, she's definitely a huge influence on me in my life. Uh, she's always there for me no matter what it is. So love her. <laughs> Coach Riley talked about how once the quarterback – uh, starter's name, he's going to maybe tailor the offense more to whoever it is. Now that you're the guy, you kind of excited to see maybe things change a little bit that maybe you've been doing practice so far. Do you anticipate many changes at all with the offense? Uh, I mean, maybe here and there. Uh, that's for him to decide. But uh, as of now, no, I'm just running what he calls. <laughs> Do you see, I guess, changes in yourself? We talked about since your freshman year at mm-hmm. A&M. <clears throat> just the natural evolution growing up. You know, you play two years of baseball, and baseball is a game of failure. Yeah. And you deal with it, you yeah. learn from it. Is that what we're getting? Uh, what fans are going to see on next Saturday? The kind of the total package of, of how you've evolved. I believe so. I mean, like I said, I, I'm ready to go. Um, I think everything that's happened to me is, you know, made me better in every aspect of the game. Uh, like you said, baseball, you know, it's it's more of a mental game. Um, you know, you learn how to fail, and you know, learn how to deal with it. Um, and I, I've, I've failed quite a few in my life. Not, I mean, not a lot, but uh, you know, these past couple of years, it's, it's you know, sitting out. It's definitely you know, I'm not used to that. So uh, for me, sitting out is it's been a learning experience. And you know, like I said, next Saturday I'm ready to go. So. Connor's got to get going. We got time for two more. You hear from the A's today? Uh, did I hear from him? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw I saw a tweet, but I mean, I, I haven't talked to anybody in specific. No. Did you hear from any uh, OU baseball teammates? Uh, I haven't, my phone, I mean, I haven't really, I've been, I have, I've been in class and stuff like that, so I haven't really been checking it. What are you looking forward to the most? What am I looking forward to? Playing the game. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is, uh, like I said, it's the moment I've been waiting for. Uh, you know, now it's here. I mean, it's, it's go time. So for me, I mean, next Saturday uh, and the boys, uh, we'll be ready to go.